0: angry. Think about what it was like for you. Maybe you grew up in an apartment. Maybe you grew up in a not-so-nice part of town. Maybe you grew up in a neighborhood. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. Uh, In in addition to the Camaro as my first ride, I remember the days of mom opening the, the screen door because the screen door was the rage and yelling out just into no man's land that it was time for dinner because at that time in our nation's history, you could just play outside literally all day long until you heard mom's voice. Time for dinner, right? And that was growing up in a neighborhood, and you knew you had about five minutes to get home. You guys with me this morning? Tracking. Everybody has has a neighborhood-type story and environment that they grew up in. And even as we get into the the series, uh, uh, there were so many things that I just it brought a sense of nostalgia. Big League Chew. Oh yeah. Now and Later's. Oh, come on now. You know the fake cigarettes, right? <laughs> You know, everybody's judging me right now. You know you did. You know, you had that cigarette. You thought you were so cool, right? Because you had that candy cigarette in the backyard with your friends. Oh, yes, right? Here's my question for you. I realize that when we speak of neighborhoods and when we speak of loving thy neighbor, There are emotions that come to mind when you think of your past. How is it that you're loving your neighbor right now? And significantly this morning, what does it look like for you to love your neighborhood? It's an odd thing to ask each other, isn't it? But one of the common conversations that I hear and that I have participated in and that I have been a part of is is the fact that, I, you know, I love God's people. Or I love what God, God's doing here, but I don't like the city or I don't like, you know, the community that I'm a part of. Interesting dichotomy to, to, to say that we love God's people, but not like the city, not like how people vote. and we, we complain and we grumble. Oh, you know, this isn't my, these aren't my mayors, these aren't my elected officials, this isn't my president, this isn't my community. Even though I live here, I'm detached from it. And consequently, I would propose that we have a difficult time actually loving the people in our community if we do not also learn to love where God has placed us. It's a tough tension at times because sometimes we don't naturally like where God has put us. If you're a a dictionary nerd like like me, I'm a I'm a I'm a word nerd. When you look up neighborhood. There's a common connection that it's not just about people, it's about placement. And I thought, what, what two beautiful words that we wrestle with as it pertains to God at work in our lives, where God has placed us and the people that God has put in our lives or not put in our lives. How many of you have fought or resisted where God has placed you in your life? Guilty. How many of you found yourself frustrated and almost digging in as to where God had you and what he would have you do. And, and sometimes because, well, this just doesn't feel like home. We like it here. And because we feel that way at times, we don't actually build relationships with people because we think this is just, a chapter. This is just a moment. I'm going to be at some other place soon enough that feels a lot more like home, so I'm going to wait until it feels better to actually engage in real genuine relationships with the people around me. God's with me this morning? But if we fight God's placement, eventually we're going to end up resisting passively the very people that God has called us to love with me. I know I'm saying that a lot. It's it's very quiet in here this morning. Everybody? Well, I won't do that. I won't embarrass anybody. If, you're, if you've ever been here before, sometimes I have everybody shake their phone or, or hey, s- spirit sprinkles <laughs> or something. If you're listening online, I apologize uh, on the podcast right now. Here's what I want us to do. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 4. Here's my question as we get into the scriptures today. What would happen if you made the decision to love where God had placed you? What would it look like in your life, your roommate's life, your family's life? What would it look like, what would happen if you made the decision to love where God had placed you. Understand, I'm not saying that you would feel it, but in the same way that at times, if you're married here today, you know there are times where you choose to love your spouse. It's not me. You don't necessarily feel like it. You're loving them through thick and thin, some hard times. That's going to happen if it hasn't hit you. There will be a moment where it does, and you make a decision. Well, what if you made the same kind of decision to love where God had placed you? Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah is is speaking on God's behalf to a people who have been placed in an environment that is not their home. They're in exile, right? Verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Now, if you understand Israel's history, they have been unfaithful to God, so much so that they've even taken their very children and they've sacrificed them on altars. You are in bad shape when these are the choices that you're making. And yet, God still spares them, yet he brings them out of the the promised land and he brings them into a place where they're in exile, a place that's not their home. If you've ever lived in a place that just didn't feel like home, take that and multiply it by about a billion. They were forced to go here. And yet God's instruction to them, his encouragement to them, his commandment even to them is that they would basically, my paraphrase, settle down, love it, pray for it seek God's best for it get married have kids this is your home whether you actually stay there for the rest of your life that is not of any concern you live like this is your home you pray like this is your home you have a family like this is your home because this is what I've asked you to do stop resisting your placement and so what did they do build houses Settled down. They planted gardens and they lived off of them. <laughs> they married. They started families. They had kids. And they sought the peace and prosperity of their city. Isn't that great? They didn't just have their jobs in their little garden and stay in their own private space. No, they sought the overall benefit of everyone that lived around them. Not just Jew, but everyone. Pray to God on behalf of your city. Pray for it to prosper. And as it prospers, you will prosper. Here's what I firmly believe this morning, that if we'll love God's placement, we'll learn to love his people. If You love his placement in your life. You're going to learn to love his people as well. Does that take time? Yes, it does. But oftentimes what, what, what I see happening is almost a, out, of, out of our mouths, we kind of o- almost passively curse what God is doing and where he has brought us. And we just, we mumble and we grumble and we complain, do we not? And who wants to actually hear and befriend and be around someone that is mumbling and grumbling and complaining all the time? And posting and tweeting and Insta this, all the terrible things that are happening in your community. How are we the light of the world? If you have put your faith in Jesus this morning, how are we the light of the world when that's what's coming out of our mouth? So how do we accomplish this? Take you on a little Bible history ride here this morning. Because how do you actually learn to love where God has placed you? I promise you, some of you are sitting here this morning and you don't like where you are in your life. Maybe it's your job that you've been placed in. Maybe it's a lack of relationship that you've been placed in. Maybe it is a relationship you've been placed in, right? Maybe it's a lack of finances. Maybe it's your literal home. Maybe it's your actual neighborhood. But wherever God has placed you, those are the people. That is your neighborhood. That is your people. The world we live in is not the same as it was when I grew up in the 80s. The the people that God has put around you and around your life, that is your neighborhood. How do you learn to love that when you do not naturally love that? So glad that you asked today. Turn to... Book of the book of Hebrews this morning. I want to grow in your love of where God has you? It's going to begin with understanding the power of the words that come out of our mouth. Hebrews eleven three that says that the, the, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. We're getting a, a, an insider view into how the very world itself was made. It wasn't, it wasn't something wasn't made from something. Something was made from nothing. If you're into science and you, you want to know the actual term, it's called ex nihilo, that out of nothing, something was made. But how was this something made? How did God do such a thing? Psalm 33 says, By the word, the word of the Lord. The heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. See, when God spoke... He was able, out of the, the power that is within him, his very being, he spoke and out of nothing, something came. And If you really want to get scientific, we might even be able to trace it back and, and it's okay to, to believe in the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang is God speaking and the universe beginning and beginning to expand. Words have power. And the book of John says that in the beginning was the word. First chapter. It's not it's not on the screen behind me, but in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus, the living word of God, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Words have power. God's words have power. But something incredible happened. God made you and I in his image. And while we carry spirit and soul unlike anything else created on the earth, there's something else that you and I have that nothing else has. The ability to speak. And the ability to create. The ability to form. Do your words have the same weight as God Almighty? Well, I don't think so. If, you do, if you're creating galaxies in your living room, we should talk. Right? But when you open your mouth, we forget how often the words that come out of our mouth have power. I don't mean, pl- I beg of you, do not walk out of this room today, our church today, and think that somehow you're going to get a message that's going to, you know, get you all fired up to Tony Robbins, you know, positive words that just make you feel really good or that, we're, that that somehow you should go buy the latest fad book, you know, on visualizing it, seeing it, and you can have it, and somehow it's wrapped up in a nice churchy Christian package. It's not the gospel. That is not what Jesus teaches us. It's not really the true implications of what your words mean. But we still have to understand, without throwing the baby out with the bathwater, that your words have incredible power and great significance. And we forget it time and time and time again. In the Old Testament, moment after moment, we see fathers doing what? Blessing their sons. And that blessing came as they opened their mouth. And if you saw or you read in the scriptures where they would bless someone, even on accident, they would bless the wrong person. And there was no undoing what had happened because after all, they had said it. They had spoken it. And because it had come out of their mouth, the weight and significance of their words, it carried. There was no undoing it. And we see time and time again people grieving because the blessing out of the mouth was given away in a way that it shouldn't have been because words have power. Words have significance. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit read last night I thought this was really great words are like toothpaste once you squeeze them out you cannot put them back in if you have gone into the bathroom of a child and we have four kids, and, and I realize some of my analogies, many of them have to do with children. But Whether you babysit, whether you remember being a kid, whether you have kids, there is an amazing truth when it comes to toothpaste. It's like you turn your back for four seconds, and you return, and there's toothpaste everywhere. There's just toothpaste all over the sink, inside the—I don't even—I have no words. I don't know how to describe the disaster that is toothpaste and children. It's actually, to be really transparent, it's gross. It's disgusting. You know, and I've got to get the hot water running. Amy, my wife, she won't do it. She won't touch it. But I'll have these giant, like, bluish-green just smear marks all over the sink. And what, you know what you can't do? You can't scoop it back up. You can't put it back inside the toothpaste container. Number one, that would be Gross. But number two, even if it wasn't gross, you can't really do it. It's not possible. So you get the hot water running and you you know you start scrubbing all the spots and you get the idea. Words are very similar. Once words come out of your mouth, the weight and power of them, they, they stick. They stay. They remain. And there's no way to just reel it back in and somehow put it back in the container and screw the top on. The words that you and I speak have the power of life and death. Are you creating galaxies and universes by opening your mouth? No way. But I promise you, if you're not careful, the words that come out of your mouth are forming people. They're forming thought patterns and attitudes in your own heart and soul. And all you have to do to know that this is true is think about things that have been said to you that have stayed with you for you. How is that possible? Why is that true? Because your words have power. Even today in 2019, what comes out of your mouth has the capacity to still shape and still form. Remember I- growing up in St. Louis, my, my dad, he'd been, you know, grocery shopping. I think he was grocery shopping and, and some, some child, left a Hot Wheels car and a grocery cart. It was My dad's grocery cart, and he couldn't wait to get home because it was the A-Team truck, right? And if you knew me at the time, I wore camouflage and literally had a machine gun that I carried around with me because Mr. T was my guy if on the, in the A-Team. And my dad, I'm not saying he handled this perfectly, but he handed me and he was excited to give me the A team truck and I took it and I wasn't very gracious at all. I didn't say thank you and he you know he was asking me to say thank you and I wouldn't do it. And so he just took that car right back. I was going to learn a lesson that I needed to exercise gratitude. But I wasn't ready to understand that lesson yet. So I stormed off to my bedroom, and I said something. My mother was hanging up clothes in my closet. and I said, I hate you, Dad. I hate you. I'm like five. I'm like five years old. And it hurt my dad's feelings. It hurt him to have his son yelling down the hallway, I hate you. Even as a five-year-old hurt to hear it and his natural response was to teach me gratitude in that moment didn't take long for him to appear back in my bedroom and teach me several lessons on things not to say to your father but i remember my mom saying son not only is that unacceptable you don't talk to your dad that way but those what you just said that hurts it's very painful one of the things that we talk to our own children about and, and we have to catch ourselves on is even just the natural disposition of something that you like, saying, I hate that. Oh, I hate that food, or I hate that restaurant, or I hate that neighbor, or, I hate that car, or, I hate that. But do you really? But do you really hate it? Do you have unbridled rage towards it? Because what we're doing when we open our mouth and we speak these words and we agree with, might I add, the attitude and posture and mentality of the enemy, those are the words that Satan uses, that he tears people apart with. And when we agree with those, we are, whether we see it or not, creating patterns in our mind and postures in our heart and in our attitudes and minds that 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 literally are agreeing with the enemy. How can we love our neighborhood when out of our mouth we are spouting death? We can't. Might I add, how can we possibly really share the love of Christ when there's so much negative reinforcement coming out of our mouth on a regular basis? What you're not hearing this morning is name it and claim it, you know, Say it, pray it, believe it, it's yours. No, I'm not telling you that. But I am reminding you that your words have immense power and that God created you and I to walk faithfully and responsibly in that very power. Some of you are sitting here and the words of a mom or dad are still hanging over you. That you weren't going to amount to much. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why are your grades so poor? You're smarter than this. Come on. Some of you have heard the the words of failure or comparison, or you're never going to, or you're always this. And it has stayed with you, and it has lived with you because words have had powerful impact on you. And if we know that's true because of the history of our own souls, how much more should we be careful and wise and faithful stewards of what's coming out of our mouth? Jesus says in Matthew 12, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. I've shared this story before. But I pastored. it was associate pastor at a church in Orlando. And if you're if this is your first time here today or well this is going to be a new story for you. Something happened with some people in our church and and you know it was there were moral failures that had happened. And when I say that I was mad, you know, these people that I was close with, I was friends with, and I felt hurt, I felt betrayed, and I'm, in, I'm driving my car by myself. And I have one of those moments where I just, out of my mouth, the words come out, you know, God, if you just want to hit this guy with a bus, I'd be fine with it. That's how I felt. I wasn't looking for redemption, I wasn't feeling restorative, I wasn't feeling prayerful, I wasn't seeking his benefit, I I wasn't praying for my neighbor, much less my neighborhood, I wasn't doing any of that, I was just, I was venting that anger and that frustration, and you all know what I'm talking about, but in this moment, literally five minutes after I speak the words that I'm fine if he gets hit by a bus, I get hit by a bus, my car's underneath a bus. Dodge Red Stratus officially said goodbye. I got out from underneath it and I I had one of those, you know, like, you know, you're checking to make sure is everything intact here? Because you're in shock and you don't know even what's happening. And I remember in that moment God saying to me, or, or reminding me, encouraging me. Better watch what's coming out of your mouth, Andy. You literally just looked to heaven and told me that you were okay if someone got hit by a bus. And I want you to be reminded right now. That's not how I care for my people. How's that bus feel, Andy? Yes, sir. (laughs) Even yesterday my, my phone is having problems. Major problems. My touch screen isn't working anymore, and you know, I'm getting in the car and I'm trying to drive to a, a meeting down by the airport and I can't get the GPS working because the touch screen isn't working, and out of my mouth I'm beginning to say, this phone is an idiot. But I caught it and I felt even even heading into this message, I felt God reminding me, Andy, remember what you say. It's power. It has significance. Am I worried that my phone's feelings are hurt? No, I am not. I am not even mildly concerned that my iPhone has its feelings hurt, but I do know and I am readily aware that it's very easy for us to just let words come out of our mouth that are reinforcing evil or hatred or negativity. And this is not how we grow to love like Jesus loves. This isn't how we grow to love thy neighborhood. This isn't how your life is somehow compelling to other people. I, I mean, why would it? Why would you expect your computer or your phone or anything that you're trying to get to work right or function right or relate right when you've damned it to hell? Oh, damn. Damn it. And we're surprised that things don't seem to work properly when you've locked it up in a prison cell in the gates of hell over and over and over and over again. And this is what's coming out of our mouth. Ultimately, when we grumble and when we complain, it's not against anybody other than God. Every grumble and every complaint is ultimately directed at God. Ephesians 4, the writer Paul says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of, Of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. What's coming out of your mouth, church? What is coming out of your mouth? Are the words that are coming out of your mouth, are they building your, your, your neighborhood up, your literal neighbors up? Are you speaking well of your city? Are you praying for its benefit and, and that it would grow and that it would, that it would be blessed and that thank God's very presence and power would be on display here? Or is it you're complaining about the guy in traffic every single day? You're locked up and you're knotted up and your attitude is just all janky and jacked up by the time you get to work because you're so angry at the way people drive here. Frustrated at the culture or lack of culture here. Frustrated with the streets. Frustrated with your neighborhood. Frustrated with your neighbor. And you complain, and you grumble, and you murmur, and uh, you know what? It's uh, my house this, or my lack of house this, or my lack of job here, and blah, 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 murmur, 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 complain, grumble. Rather than speaking life out of our mouth, gratitude, thanksgiving, building one another up, tear each other down and we tear our neighborhood down. I don't think that's how Jesus would have us live our lives as faithful followers in his kingdom. What would happen? You took a moment and you Prayed to God Almighty right here. You took a deep breath. You released all the things that you've been frustrated about. All the things that you have the propensity to be frustrated about and grumble about and complain about. And you ask God to fill you afresh today with the Holy Spirit. That you would speak like Jesus speaks. That your eyes would see as Jesus sees. And that your thoughts would be as God's thoughts are. Do you think that you would be more refreshing to those around you? Do you think you would be more refreshed rather than knotted up on the inside all the time? What if you learn to love your neighborhood, to truly love it, and to speak well of the placement in your life where God had placed you, the season of life that you were in? You think that you would experience a bit more peace, a bit more joy. You think you might have better friendships because you're speaking well. Of the situations and circumstances in your life. Do you think your relationships would literally be strengthened? Literally simply by the manner in which we conduct the words coming out of our mouth. Do you think your ministry would be more fruitful? Do you think your workplace might be a better place to go to every single day? I bet it would. Because your words have power. And when Jesus Christ died for our sins, and he made atonement for our sins, for every word that came out of our mouth that wasn't like God's words coming out of his mouth. When he atoned for our sin, and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death, proving it to the world, He looked at his disciples and he said, I'm going to be returning to heaven, but when I do, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to begin to work on you from the inside out and you're going to become my ambassadors, the Bible says. His very representative. That means that when you show up to a place, and when you're driving to a place, and when you're walking around in a place, and when you're laying down in a place, that you are God's ambassador, whether you are by yourself or not. You represent Him. And because we represent Him, the very words that come out of our mouth should represent Him. And in the same way that Jesus is speaking life, I'm not saying that He never had a hard conversation. Those have to be had. Difficult ones, awkward ones, painful ones. We can do it in a way where we still represent who Jesus is. And when we do that, when we faithfully love our neighbor and our neighborhood, I believe we'll see a bit more of God's kingdom on earth. Let's pray this morning As we do, I just want you to take a moment today Sometimes we have our ministry team that comes down front And is available for prayer But today, I want you to just sit in your seat for a moment And have a time of reflection And I want you to just give anything and everything Over to God this morning It's so easy to get stuck and caught in a pattern of Just letting anything come out of that mouth. First thing that you see is the first thing you speak about or speak to. that's not God's way. I'd encourage you this morning, if you don't, if you find this exceptionally hard, because you simply do not like where God has placed you, you have an incredibly difficult time saying anything well of the people around you. I have great news for you today. You can simply ask God to help you. To help you love those you're having a difficult time loving. Love the place that God has put you, even though you do not naturally love it. Ask Him to give you a love and a heart for you. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that we are your people, that this is your church. Lord, a young church, a growing church, a church that's working to be faithful, to walk in your grace and truth, to walk in your power. And this morning, I'm praying that we would understand and walk fully grasping the power of the words coming out of our mouth, God, that we would Truly have eyes open to the words that we say as we speak to little ones and to our children as we're alone in our car, as we're as we're cutting grass in the in the in the in the front yard. God, as we're working with people at, at work, as we're around our community, that we are your ambassadors and that our words are powerful. Help us to love. Our neighborhood. I love our neighbor. Seek peace in our city. To seek its prosperity. To speak well of it. To be thankful for what you're doing in our midst. You're sitting here this morning, and you just need a moment. I want you to take it right now. Give God anything and everything that's coming out of your mouth. Jesus, we love you. We ask for forgiveness. We don't represent you, and we ask that you would help us today. Help us to become more like you. Help us to love the way you love, to speak like you speak. See what you see and to have hearts that are sensitive for the things that you are sensitive. To love our neighbors, Lord. Love our neighborhood. And we pray.